Welcome to the Tech UK podcast. We cover the latest in technology news. It's time to welcome your host, Giovanni, who is joined by his co-host, Stefano. Hello, everyone, and yes, welcome to the Tech UK podcast. Uh, this week, we've been rebranding the podcast slightly, and we have a new intro, a new outro, and we've also got a new segment, which is called Our News Desk, or Our Three Minute News, which is where we cover six different topics in just 30 seconds each, adding up three minutes, obviously. And this allows us to cover some of the smaller stories that we might not have had time to cover in a full-length discussion. So without further ado, it's time to get in to the UK news. Hello and welcome to the Tech UK news part of the Tech UK podcast. So this week, I said earlier on, hasn't been a very exciting week, but that is if you're not an Apple fan. If you are an Apple fan, we've got some news for you, including maybe some iPad UK price dates. Oh yes. So, moving on to our other news, starting off with the digital TV transition, which is beginning a switchover over in Northern Scotland. So, starting earlier on early morning on May 5th, households had BBC Two switched off, and the remaining channels will be moving off on May 19th. Of course, uh, John McNeils, uh, who is Digital UK's Assistant National Operator, um, Manager for the North, said that people that do not need, do not actually have the necessary equipment should get it as soon as possible, and that anyone who needs advice during the transitionary period to contact Digital UK or sign up for the Home Help Scheme if they are eligible. So, essentially... It's what's happened here is that basically the TV transition is moving on and it's edging ever closer to to um how can I put this to to getting down here to London and to being all the way digital like US um, had their digital transition last last year so soon we'll be going all digital and. We've only got 2011 and 2012, and then time for switchover down in the south. I think, I think what what um uh, would have been smarter is basically like like the whole of the country at, at the once, same time. Yeah. I think we should have done it that way, but for some reason, obviously, they decide that people need to have more marketing at certain times, so we want to target the specific area at this time instead of trying to target the whole of the UK. Now, in other news, we reported a couple of weeks back that Best Buy was to open its UK stores, then it opened its UK stores, and now the store in Furrock, East London, uh, which has opened, was the biggest Best Buy store opening ever in the world. What, even bigger than um, uh, America's one? Yeah, it's, it's the, um, the biggest ever opening of Best Buy stores. So, it's 50,000 square feet... And if you are, if you read the metro, at least here in London, we've got ads everywhere. I would imagine it would only be London, um, considering that they um, they've only got the store open here at the moment. Yeah. So it operates over one thousand retail stores in the U.S. and it operates other stores in China, Canada, Mexico, and Turkey. And 
it did cost a 1.1 billion pounds venture in order to open the store here. Um, and it's it's in conjunction with the Carfin Warehouse. So they plan to have eight UK stores open by March next year, and none of these will be less than 30,000 feet. I haven't actually got a chance to get myself down to this Best Buy yet, but from what I've seen, it's been in the press, it looks amazing, and wow, <laughs> just, yeah, it, it does look like it could be a revolution for UK retail stores, because at the moment we've got the DSGI group, which owns Curry's, PC World, uh, what are the other ones that they've got? Yeah, that group. <laughs> um, they're all working coalition, essentially, because they are all part of the same, um, they're all owned by the same parent company. So it's good to see some nice competition going in for those. Now, as you know, da- no, uh, sorry, as you know, as you, this is actually a very difficult thing to say. As you know. As you no doubt know, uh, we've been having the general ne- election. <laughs> I'm not, ha- I'm having problems on I today. Yeah. You were trying to say election. So, as you no doubt know, we've been having the general election. And, uh, basically, now we know that it's a hung parliament. But, oh, if you don't, sorry if I've ruined your news tonight. But, um, basically the Tories, this may actually have helped them come into Um, the... the More votes. Yeah, more votes and bigger seats. um, Bigger seat numbers. On Thursday, they launched a campaign on YouTube. And so... If you go on YouTube, sometimes you have those big ads across the top, which are those sort of rectangular ones. But on the right, there is sometimes a little video player, and it says sponsored, and it starts playing on its own, but without sound. So that um, has now been used by the Tories to try and push for some um, larger number of votes. And Telegraph is reporting that this advert actually cost Conservatives in the region... Of a hundred thousand pounds. Although I think it was worth it because um, they have won a majority of the votes so far. Yeah, so they it seems to have worked, and for that hundred thousand pounds, it's it's not the cheapest ad campaign, but it does get it's in front worked. of millions of people. This is good for YouTube as well as it shows that it's effective. Not saying that YouTube caused them to win, but well, they helped. Yeah, so it obviously has some influence over people, which is, it's good. Good to know that web advertising still is working. And now the most exciting news of the week by far is, of course, well, for me at least, <laughs> is, and, and, um, and probably so, most of the people that are listening to this, and it is, Apple fans. once again, it is, we're building tension here, yeah. aren't we, that the iPad now has a UK price and release date. So, the release date, I'm just going to tell you straight up, it's Friday 28th of May, and pre-orders will begin as planned from Monday 10th of May, which is next Monday. So, um, the iPad will be available on Friday 28th of May in the UK, Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Spain, and Switzerland. And it's I'm will... thinking, why not China? I don't know. <laughs> Because uh, why? Yeah, well, actually, we will be getting there. Yeah. So the prices for the basic, the cheapest one available, the 16 gig Wi-Fi iPad, 429, 32 gig, 499, 
uh, 64 gig, 599, and add £100 to any of those to get um, the free G version. So, the most expensive 64 gig Wi Fi and free G iPad costs £699. 700 then. No, you get a whole pound off. Um, and obviously, these all include VAT. This is expensive. I'm not sure, like... <laughs> uh, this is expensive. Thank you for that comment. Yeah, because I think people were, like, expecting, like, 350-ish pounds. 300 as a More um, likely 400, but... See, the price, when you kind of look at it, um, $500, which is the price that it costs there, would be 320 pounds. Yet, the... Okay. We shouldn't really be that upset because the $500 does not include tax because each state has different tax. So tax can be around States. up to 11%. Um, it's actually 10.75, but for argument's sake, let's say that it's um, about 11%. So that makes the US sales figure around $553 with tax. Which, when converted to pounds, becomes about uh, 380 pounds. Now, if you do actually say this by that way, which is logical reasoning, that's actually the wrong way of working out um, how much tax you're paying. Because what you should do is you actually start off with 500 pounds, take away the VAT, and it becomes 365 pounds, which shows that the government is taking 130 quid out of you. And... That's three hundred five hundred and um thirty six dollars, which means that we're paying thirty six dollars more than the US price. So we're actually paying in effect around twenty percent more because of the difference in sales tax and the way you actually calculate stuff. So thirty six dollars, it's not that much, is it? Even if you well, use the other figure and you say it's fifteen pounds, fifty pounds, that's not as big as some of the um other markups, for example, the Apple TV has a crazy, I think it's 46% markup, which shows that they really aren't getting it. And, of course, they have to account for differences in dollar. But still, I would have liked to see a 399 price point. The fact that it's that 429 just makes it off-putting. I think it's because, like, um, this is, like, a new device and um, people... don't really want first-gen Apple Pro products more yeah, like second-gen. So you'll know that... Um, They'll probably be down to 3 99 next time. Or they'll keep the price, but they'll definitely add the camera. Yeah. And I can't see what else they can add to it, apart from Flash. But, um, we've already talked about that before. And subsequently, Orange has announced its um, its plans for the iPad. So we had... I think it, who was it? I think it was Orange... O2... O2... Tesco Mobile. I'm was sure. it Tesco Mobile? Vodafone, I think. I think it was a host of people. All... Yeah. Um, so it was Vodafone O2 and Orange who said that they would offer the iPad. There yeah. we go, just checked. Uh, you can listen to that in episode 5, which was three weeks ago. Wow, it doesn't seem that long to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, essentially, you'll be able to, with Orange, go from as pay-as-you-go plans, which are um, how much... So, basically, these cost 5p for every megabyte, which could be very expensive. Um, but, so you've got the 5p per megabyte one, then you've got the £2 for 200 megabytes per day, so that starts from midnight to midnight, and that means that, um, 
you get 200 megs of data for 24 hours, but if you sign up or activate that at, for example, say 2 p.m., you'll only get till midnight. Uh, iPad has a weekly one called iPad Weekly, which costs 750, and that gives you one gig for seven complete days. And you got the um, iPad Monthly 15 and Monthly 25, costs 15 to 25 pounds. First, you get um, free gigs, and of course, with the 25 one, you get 10 gigs. So these are all essentially the prices that Orange was already offering for uh, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, um, for 3G data on other smartphones. So it's good to know that they haven't put those up. 10 gigs, I think that would be enough, to be honest. Um, and comparing this to to the US thing where they pay $15 and get 200 megabytes for um, a whole month here for around £30 or even £15, which will be relatively comparable. You get free gigs, so we're not getting that much of a, of a raw deal um, in the case of this. So we're not being that much ripped off. I don't know if that's a good thing that we have to get to the point where we have to say we're not being ripped off by too much. But I think the data plans are fair. The price of the iPad itself still fair, I think, but not for me personally. I'm not sure um, how many people would actually like use use this out out public. What the honest, the iPad? Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't know. I think if I had one, I'd probably use it on a plane. That would probably be as public. As I'd go there, I probably wouldn't want to use it on, on the tube or on some kind of public transport like the bus. bus. It's, number one, it's not portable. Number two, of course, it, it does make you an even bigger target for theft. Um, so, um, bring th- on lower price iPads so that everyone can get them. And I w- it's going to be exciting to find out what O2 and... Um, Vodafone and Vodafone. Orange. No, Orange has just told us. Um, O2 and Vodafone actually price their plans at but i can't imagine there'll be that much difference yeah okay and that was it for this week's uk news now we're going into our newest segment which is our news um our three minute news in fact this week we don't have six stories because during the recording of the podcast the ipad price and release date were announced but you'll be seeing six stories usually per week from from now on. So let's let's get in to our three minute news bulletin. Gmail is back in the UK. After a company claimed that it had the rights to the Gmail name in October 2005, Google only allowed UK users to use the at googlemail.com suffix in their email address. Now UK users can sign up to a Gmail account with an at gmail.com email address. Previous users of at googlemail.com accounts can receive their email at the same at gmail.com email address. So, if your email was hello at googlemail.com, any emails you receive at hello at gmail.com will also be redirected there. UK 
YouTube is to let users charge for rentals. YouTube's product manager Hunter Walk revealed that they will be allowing some content owners to charge for their uploads and creations. This could potentially be fantastic for both indie filmmakers who want to make money while getting their work out online, or it could spell disasters consumers pay for substandard material. Group video chat is also coming to Skype. Skype announced Thursday that it will be offering 5-way video chat starting on May 10th. This will be initially free, but Skype has said that they will be charging for this in the future. Calling plans have also been changed, and there are savings up to 6% for users. You now get individual country calling plans, which cost £3.30 in a month. And if your subscription includes any of the following countries, calls to both landlines and mobiles are included. Canada, China, Hong Kong, Singapore, Thailand, and the US. Google Goggles now also translates. Google Goggles, Google's visual search app for Android, is getting a new update. Now, users can take a photo of any text in a foreign language, and the app will use optical character recognition software, turn it into text, and subsequently puts it into Google Translate, translating it back to English. So next time you're abroad and you need to know what something is on the menu, take a photo and find out in seconds. And finally, this summer, Apple and Visa will partner up to make it possible for iPhone users to wave their device in front of a contactless payment terminal to make transactions, thanks to an Apple-certified hardware accessory. You'll need an iPhone case which will include a secure memory card which will hold Visa's contactless payment application called Visa PayWave. The application, which is compatible with the iPhone 3G and 3GS, can be password protected and includes advanced security technology to identify each contactless transaction. More information at appleinsider.com. Welcome to the news for around the world. So our first story is that Ubuntu 10.04 has arrived. So in case you don't know what um, Ubuntu is, is, it's essentially the free open source version of an operating system. So instead of using Windows or Mac OS X, you'll be using Ubuntu, which is based on Linux. And Linux is based on Unix. And these are all technologies which are underlying um, in, were originally underlying in the Windows operating system and probably still are. So these um, technologies are free, but obviously Microsoft and Apple have made their operating systems so that you, you can't basically use their. Um, their proprietary software, etc. So Ubuntu is a free operating system which you can just download legally and install. So every 18 months, the company that makes um, that's responsible for um, Ubuntu, Canonical, um, releases a LTS package, which is a long-term support, and these ones are essentially supported for longer periods of time. 
And these are the more, let's say, stable packages. And every six months, they also have a an upgrade which brings new features. And usually these LTS um, releases don't usually add new features, but may do something little like improve the speed. And Ubuntu 10.04 doesn't disappoint. It's got all the features that it's had before. It's got the ability to use wireless networking, Bluetooth, uh, Flash, um, browsers, and they've got their specific netbook editions, which are formatted perfectly for a netbook screen and have big icons. looks amazing. And I think... what, what they've done with this one is that they... They have made it look a bit more Mac-ish, as you commented. Yeah, so, what what made you think that it looks more like um, OS X than? Yeah, well, for for uh, me, I think I think um, it was just main. It was mainly the background because um, because I think it sort of looks like a space thing. Oh yeah, um, it looks like the the default Mac OS X background. Yeah, and um, the fact that it uses Gray, it's version. I'm looking at Safari now, and I'm looking at a screenshot of um, Ubuntu 10.04, and it's just a darker gray, isn't it? Yeah. it? They've also moved the buttons where you open and close applications to the left, top left instead of top right, like Windows. Yeah. Um, it looks very similar to um, to OS 10. It has the little where at the Apple logo is. They have the Ubuntu logo. It's got. It just looks a lot like um. Like oh, Mac, yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it looks really nice, actually. Yeah. And the color scheme is is different from the what was it, orange and brown that we were used to. Yeah, which which looked all right. Yeah, it, it didn't it didn't look bad. Um, so the main features, apart from the new color scheme and theme, are basically the um the way that. It sorry, I'm trying to think of um of the words to put this in. It's got this Ubuntu Ubuntu One feature, which essentially um it it has been present before, but it's now much more noticeable. I'm not sure if it was integrated into um the OS, and it's basically a cloud synchronization service which you can integrate with Ubuntu Desktop. Um, so say so you have two computers and you can essentially sync stuff, and it's it can um, do. You've also got preliminary support also for mobile synchronization, and you've got a new music store as well, which um, which has more more advanced features. It's actually a music store. It looks a lot like iTunes, and it looks. To be fair, this looks really nice, very professional. You've still got, of course, the the default Firefox browser. You've got openoffice.org there. you still got the software center, which has been revamped, looks nicer. You've got the email and chat in there. You've got social, which is what the... Um, so essentially it has um, a me menu at the top, which um, you can integrate your Facebook and Twitter accounts in. So you can get little um, chat boxes and stuff there. And you can um, obviously, with the new store... The Ubuntu store, you can buy music, and you can also view store edit photos. You can you've got the new video player. Uh, what else? It's full of stuff. It's it loads quicker than um any. 
it loads quicker than the older Ubuntu, I think. A lot quicker. It's still compatible and it's accessible. It's I think the it looks OS. really good for um um for something that is free and like um I like how many features there are for, for something that that's free. It, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. It is a full features operating system, and we've just installed it on the netbook mm. now over USB, and it, it worked perfectly. So. Um, I put it on my Mini 9, and the, um, what's it called? The Wi-Fi wasn't working initially, obviously, so we had to install the, the drivers, just restarted, that worked fine. Now I've just got to get sound working, but that's always been an issue with the... Operation. The way that, yeah, with the OS, and... Not with the OS, but with this specific computer. So, really well done, um, Ubuntu. Keep, keep evolving. So, our next story reported by appleinsider.com oh by the way if you do want to get ubuntu it's got the straightest spelling i used to pronounce it ubuntu because of the way that ubuntu is actually spelled it's u-b-u-n-t-u.com that's u-b-u-n-t-u.com me yeah you okay thank you and um okay so Monday, Apple announced that the iPad has sold over 1 million in less than a month. Obviously only available in the US, but it took 74 days for the iPhone to achieve um, this milestone. And it only took the iPad 28 days. Be that because they have two versions of the iPad? I think so. Be that because it's it's essentially the same price as the iPhone was. This is Actually, um, an iPad's actually cheaper than an iPhone um, non-contract, which does show that the current price we're actually paying for such an old iPhone is actually a tiny bit of a rip-off. So they've also revealed that iPad users have already downloaded over 12 million apps from the App Store, so average of 12 per device, and over 1.5 million eBooks from the new iBook Store. There's also 5,000 new apps just for the iPad, and they've also announced that the App Store is currently very, very strong at 200,000 applications. So, the Wi-Fi-only model released on April 3rd sold 300,000 on its first day alone. After five days, Apple revealed that there are 450,000 sold, now a million faster than the iPhone. I do think at the end of the day this is not a convenience device so it's not going to be taken up as quickly as um, as it's not going to be taken up as much as the iPhone because I don't think people need it I, and I think people will think they need it but we'll still buy it anyway, that's the thing um, second gen for me though, I would love to give a review of it here but I'm sure you've probably found one online or several online and until it has a camera on it for Skype, it's going to be a no from me because I really think a device like this does need a camera for for Skyping and it does need to come down to 400. That £30 could be used for the, the for example, the um, the keyboard um, accessory. So um, that's it for this story. I think it's really crying. congratulations, Apple. Because this is a really big milestone. Yeah, a million is quite big. I think... um, Quite. Yeah, by by the end of the year, probably. 
by this time next year, they'll probably have sold maybe 5 million. I, I say definitely 5 million worldwide. Because if they can do 1 million sales that quickly, then 5 million should just be, should just be easy work for them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's um, it for that story. So, Wednesday afternoon, Engadget, um, or no, it was actually TechCrunch, found a major flaw in Facebook. So, Facebook has this new feature, I say new, um, where you can look at um, how someone else sees your profile. So, say I'm wondering what Stefano sees on my profile, I can click on see how this person sees my profile, and it would allow me to do that. What Facebook didn't notice was that with this feature, they'd also made it so you could actually see what someone else's chat was. So you could see um, all their private info, and you could also literally see someone's chat. So it's absolutely crazy. The fact that... um, Facebook allows something like this to happen. It's good that it was discovered and it wasn't being exploited. And I'm not really sure. I've heard that from some people that you'd have to put a script in. So you'd have to kind of paste a JavaScript into the browser bar and you'd kind of need to know how to do it. But other websites have been reporting it as just a flaw that that you wouldn't need to be a hacker to know about. You could just use it and you just go into your friend's profile without even, even asking to do that and not doing it on purpose either. Yeah, I think this is a really big flaw with Facebook because Facebook has become really, really big. So I think a, f- a flaw in Facebook might cost a lot in the company, like um, like people-wise. Um, yeah, I I just think that whoever let this happen is probably going to get into. S- a little bit of trouble. And but to be honest, you, what you do have to notice is that this is Facebook. They can't to be they can't do anything. They are not competent enough to have your data. As um some people have said, they don't you can't trust these people with your data. It's put it this way. Anything you post on the internet, even if you think it's going to be private, don't post anything anywhere that's stuff that you wouldn't want to become public. So if you have a secret obsession for, um, I don't know, Lady Gaga, but don't want people to know this, don't post this into your secret, um, I don't know, secret something, um, or your hidden privacy stuff, or talk about this in a chat with someone else, because chances are someone will be able to find the logs of that and make it public. And it might not be on purpose, it could actually just be an accident like this. And there's also, of course, all these data um, stealing issues where um, sites are hacked and then data is stolen. So unless my my thing is I do not put anything online that I wouldn't mind sharing with the world because that's essentially what the Internet is. If you do think that something is private in Google Docs, it could very easily have a flaw in it. So be careful. And Facebook is the number one social network so they do want you to be social they do want you to be sharing and to some extent you do have to notice that you have to provide some information publicly and how much you provide is also is always up to you how much you think is private 
at the end of the day is not up to you because even though they are privacy settings, you you don't have ultimate control over them as Facebook shows you by changing all its all its um all its settings for once in a while and then setting you to new defaults, which is absolutely crazy. Hmm. Anything to add or have I finished my little rant here? Yes, you have finished. Or your... have I? No. No, I have finished. Okay. Um so Another interesting piece of news. Oh, this one. I love this. So, Internet Explorer, back in 1999, had a market share of 6%. Recently, in the last 10 years, went up, reached about 90%, been in 80s. It's back down to 60. Basically, this is Internet Explorer's worst market share since 1999. So, this is actually the worst decline the computer company uh, Microsoft has seen um, since that time. And it's lost around 9% of users in the last 11 months, which is absolutely crazy. And um, these are official figures from um, measurement firm Net Applications, which shows that the browser um, has dropped from 68% to 59.95%. So they're actually less than 6% now. And obviously, I think um, Chrome was the biggest winner. I think it's quite obvious. Then now they've got massive marketing campaigns in newspapers. They have ads on TV, which I have never seen before for a browser apart from Internet Explorer now. With its beep. So if you want to do something like this, I'm going to talk really fast. Because my ad's going to end in seven seconds because we couldn't pay for more ads. Boom. I'm a PC and I'm out of time. Exactly. These ads. Good. Obviously, that wasn't the real ad playing, in case you're confused, because obviously it's very difficult. To <laughs> it's, it's very hard to tell the difference. Um, so Google's Google's browser now has almost 7% market share, and it's risen 2.4% in the past year. Um, Opera is actually fifth place in the market, and it rose from 2.03% to, as TechRadar puts it, the nose-bleeding height of 2.3%. Yeah. Meanwhile, Firefox um, has a small rise from 22.43% to 24.59%. So it's effectively got a quarter of market share now. I think I think people are finally beginning to uh, know that, that there are other browsers out there. Which are yeah, even um, novice yeah. users. But there is one thing which clearly is making this happen. And it's not just that people are learning about new browsers. It's the fact that in Europe we have the browser ballot... So, as you probably know, in Windows 7, um, if you choose Internet Explorer as your default browser, eventually after a while, or maybe it's on your first start, it depends, it's some strange algorithm, basically, the uh, little screen will pop up saying, here are some other browsers, would you like to try these? I think, I do have to say it's a bit unfair. It should actually just do that straight away at the start. If you do, do choose an alternative browser, that screen won't pop up. So it's just basically showing how the EU really wants Microsoft to to be making sure that you have every option available. So by simple fact, people will be on trying browsers like Google Chrome because they know the name Google. Mozilla Firefox, they might have heard of Firefox, but Mozilla is not a known name. Yeah. Safari, Apple Safari, Apple. people think, oh, it's Apple, I'm on Windows. So it, it really shows why Google's... Um, going up, but of course Google is 
the fastest browser at the moment. Opera is very quick as well. Um, and they've just also released recently a, a statistic saying that they're beating the latest, um, what's it called, build? Uh, Chrome build. I still find Safari more than fast enough. i8 is it's good as well. It's not like... Mm. It's not like we're back in the days of Internet Explorer 7 and and even IE6 when there was practically no competition. It's really been the last five years or so. Five more. Three to five years yeah. where browsers have really become more known by people. And people don't think of it as, I click on here to get to the internet. A lot of them still do. But more of as a way of, let me open my browser to access the internet. Okay, this, ju- this might just be from my perspective, though, because us being geeks, we, we know about these things. And our last story, speaking of Google Chrome, is not about Google Chrome, but it's about Google. So, basically, they have said that they will be launching an ebook service, and I think it's this summer, is it, that they're saying? Yes, this summer. So, Google are launching... Um, an ebook store this summer, so they'll have integration with the the current um, Google, the current I think it's called Google Book Search, something like that. So you'll be able to go there, then you can buy ebooks from them. Um, they're going to be calling it Google Edition, and you'll be able to buy digital copies of books through its um, book search site. And then you'll read them on um, web browsers. So it's not going to be tied to a specific device, unlike, for example, the Amazon Kindle, and you'll be able to read it on any basically internet connected um device uh which has a browser obviously yeah um so basically what they've said is that there will also i say he but um what google have said is that they they will be allowing partner sites to sell these so um so you could for example be going on amazon.com and buying a Google edition, don't think that'll be happening because of the Kindle, but mm-hmm. you could be, I don't know, going to some random websites and they could say, oh, you can buy our book here and buy it on Google editions. Perfect. Works with them. So, and just to obviously summarize this, basically e-readers are becoming more popular with the, what have we got now? We've got the iPads. We've got the Amazon Kindle, we've got the Sony Reader, we have these small independent ones. You can actually pick small up... Small independent ones. I, I like how, like, you didn't even, like, know any other form that Yeah, so... For free. For example, I do know that there are other ebook readers, because obviously I'm not just searching on Amazon.com right now. So, oh, for example, what? I know for a fact, off by heart... That this Sony e-reader costs two hundred and six nine pounds ninety nine on Amazon. I mean, um, not on Amazon. Yes, it does actually on Amazon. Oh look, I just checked. Um, and you've got other small ones like the iRiver, which costs one ninety nine. The Hanvon N five one six, which costs one fifty. So for around one hundred and fifty pounds plus now, you can you can pick up a an ebook reader, and. Personally, once again, this is one of those things. I don't see the point of buying a single-purpose device. For me, I prefer stuff that does multitask and that I can use. Yeah. Okay. Um, And stuff that that is multi-purpose. And therefore, I don't see the point of paying 200 or 150 pounds for 
something which I'll only be using for reading, for example, and the fact that there are really good deals on books, to be honest, nowadays. I can pick up books for three and four pounds in shops and take them wherever I want, and there's no DRM. And if I want to lend a book to someone, I don't have to go and jump through hoops. Um, it's it's a lot more simple, obviously, um, with a paperback book. I think eventually we'll be moving to something like the iPad, but it does have to be multi-purpose, because the yeah. experience of reading newspapers on a Kindle is horrible. I have tried it, and it's 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 not not doable it's it's just bad yeah the ipad once i get my hands on it here in the uk we'll see we'll see still won't be buying it first gen okay but that's it for um the uk and worldwide news thank you so much for listening bye bye thank you for listening to the tech uk podcast get the show notes and archives on our blog at techukpodcast.blogspot.com You can subscribe to the Tech UK podcast at feeds.feedburner.com slash techukpodcast or search iTunes, keywords, Tech UK podcast. Or you can email us at techukpodcast at gmail.com with your comments and suggestions.